holy shit, it feels good. My name's Chris. <laughs> My name's Andy. And I'm Steve. That's fucking Steve. <clears throat> God, he's such a good guy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> this is Streaming Things Binge and Nerd. The one and only film and television podcast in the world. It's the only weird. one. It's, it's you think there'd be plenty more, but there's not. The internet's a vast place. You think there'd be more? I don't yeah. know how anyone never thought of this before. Um, we are geniuses. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So typically, what we do, we talk about our very favoriteest film and television properties at great length, ad nauseum, balls deep. Is what we're famous for. <laughs> We don't pull inside back. and outside the pod. <laughs> <laughs> we don't pull back an inch. <laughs> what is that? You can't say that was too far. No, it wasn't. I'm laughing because I'm immature. Why don't you say Bob? <laughs> Anywho, uh, we have a few segments we normally delve into. Uh, what we've been streaming, or th- I'm sorry, things we've been streaming because that's streaming things. Uh, we talk about things we've been watching other than the things we're going to be talking about balls deep. So, less. that's more of a foreplay segment. Like, you know. Oh, I've been watching a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, we also have a Check the Gate segment sometimes where we talk about uh, film and television news in the world that we're interested in. Not a whole lot of it this time, but anyway. And then this episode, finally, after much ado, we're delving into our Westworld Season 1 rewatch. We're finally here, guys. It's so hard for me to say rewatch, but I think I did re-watch. it. It's, yeah, I always want to go we watch because we, we watched it. We oh, watched we Westworld. Watch, rewatch. We watched Westworld. <laughs> Woo! Not uh, North World, not <laughs> no, East World. No. Uh, so yeah, we're finally doing that. We started the rewatch of season one of West World. This is episode one, and so we'll be delving into that. And I guess we need to have a few little disclaimers before we start our uh, West World coverage. Uh, we have found it impossible to avoid spoilers, most likely. Mm-hmm. So we highly recommend that you watch the entirety of season one of West World before you listen to this. Uh, next few weeks of streaming things because there's a lot of huge reveals involved in this season mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of informs the, the entirety of our mindset going into this rewatch so you know, we'll do the best we can about like hey this might come into play later or isn't that neat but ultimately I might say something that I don't even recall as being a spoiler mm-hmm. and just totally fuck it up for you but feel free to keep listening uh like we like always, our sh- we have show notes that have uh, timestamps, so you can always kind of listen up to the point where we start going into the spoiler territory as well. So if you want to still keep listening for the things we've been streaming and the check the gate news, you know, keep doing that, and then yeah. maybe pass out when uh, the the Westworld coverage starts. Don't, don't, don't pass, pass out. <laughs> no, 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 no. We want you to be healthy, unless you just if you're just fucking. I think wasted. I meant to say peace out. Yeah, I mean Patty's day is Saturday, so we, we won't hold it against you if you pass out. Uh, but yes, but but even if you haven't seen Westworld, take this as an opportunity to go and watch it because it is a great show. It's pretty good. It, what is that, Steve? It's a great show. I think so too. <laughs> wow, I'm glad you feel so strongly about it. <laughs> I'm still thinking about people just passing out once it gets to spoilers. Like, oh my god, the vapors, <laughs> my stars. <laughs> that would have been amazing had I not had that spoiled for me. I guess let's delve into check the gate. I don't have any news, really. There's some stuff I've been worried about, but I don't know. I don't have much. I have some news. Danny Boyle's going to direct. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh, my God, it's Andy, you're glowing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Danny Boyle's going to be directing the new James Bond. That's really cool. That's going to be fucking phenomenal. That? 
I thought it was Quentin Tarantino. I thought he was just doing everything. Star Trek, James Bond. <laughs> his, it's his much anticipated follow up to T2 Train Spotting. Yeah. <laughs> Which, eh, it was, T2 was good for nostalgia reasons. Did better you see than T2? Anyway, I did not. Me. I actually haven't seen the original Train Spotting. Are you bull? I know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I know. Are you not a heroin fan, Steve? I mean, I dabble. <laughs> 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 no, that's all. Train Spotting's been a movie that I've always wanted to see but i've never actually gotten a chance to but danny boyle is a great director Mm -hmm. i love that guy and just i i want to see how his style of filmmaking works within a james bond world because i mean it's one of those things where you 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 don't necessarily think of danny boyle when you think Mm -hmm. of james bond directors but as soon as his name floats up you're like i'm interested in that i I, I pay a pay a fee at a cinema (laughs) (laughs) for for that (laughs) i would i would go to the nickelodeon and watch a danny boyle presents 007 i don't know why my cadence is so weird today (laughs) i think danny boyle has got to have uh the most diverse oeuvre (laughs) good word you know what i mean Mm. i mean he does some vastly different stuff you got train spotting and then you got uh slumdog millionaire and then i thought you were gonna go into the rocky theme 28 days later i don't think he wrote that yeah 28 days later to slumdog millionaire to train spotting that's like what he did uh sunshine did you guys ever see that yeah sunshine it's um, good. Heard it's yeah, good. it was uh, written by um, Alex um, dude that just had Annihilation come out. Yeah, uh, Alex Garland. Alex Garland. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Which I thought was amazing. Um, that dude has written some of the coolest stuff. That's like, oh, that was him. Like he wrote X Men, like the first movie, the good one. Alex Garland. Yeah, well, X Two is the best one. Well, I mean, the it's original. Really yeah, good. Yeah, for and sure. Like he was the story director on like the Devil May Cry remake and just weird stuff. It's yeah. like oh neat. He he's just got a, a finger in everything. Well, he's, he's getting money. He's yeah. got some oeuvre. Yeah, he's got some oeuvre. Also has an oeuvre. <laughs> I think uh, Danny Boyle's kind of got his uh, work cut out for him, though, following up Sam Mendes. He kind of knocked it out of the ball. Well, he dropped the ball a little bit with uh, Spectre. But, yeah, a lot like, bit. I, it was still Spectre. good. Even um, the song sucked. Yeah, the song I don't even remember the song. No, it was Spectre. cool. Skyfall. Skyfall Adele. is dope. Skyfall. They had uh, Roger Deakins as <laughs> the cinematographer. <laughs> What'd you, say, was, what'd you say, Andy? Roger Deakins was uh, director of photography on Skyfall. That's, why That's it cool. So friggin' mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, well, those movies are beautiful. The thing yeah. I was getting at with his oeuvre is that I don't know what to expect with a Danny, oh, a Danny Boyle 007 movie where you can't tell. Can't call it. You can. But I'll be excited just for gonna it. just going to be shooting up heroin and doing game yeah. shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like the villain of this new 007 is uh, that guy from Slumdog. If he has <laughs> lucky die, <laughs> if he has a Bollywood ending to it, I'll just die. That'd be amazing. I'm just done. <laughs> James Bond is doing a Musical Bollywood number. song and dance. Uh, is that all we got for checking that gate? That's all I got. And what about you, Steve? Make some I, shit up. Well, did uh, you hear? <laughs> did you guys hear? Word on the street is uh, Sam Worthington is back in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> That's great news. <laughs> well, you might have thought he was been dead the last few years, but he is back in action. Holy shit. In this year's big movie, Avatar 2. Whoa. I Whoa. I assume he's back. They probably would drop him. Fake news. Not cool, Steve. Where is Sam uh, Worthington? I don't know. Like, like right now? Cryogenic right? sleep since the first Avatar, I think. I would say L.A. That dude was one of those guys that's like, he was in a ton of fucking movies for two years and then nothing. Yeah, it's just the next big it thing. He's in movie jail. It's like yeah. Anna Faris. Mm. 
Oh yeah, Anna Faris. She's yeah. in some TV What's show. What's she now? been doing nowadays other she's than divorcing a... Chris Pratt? <laughs> she's got a really popular podcast. Apparently, I forget what it's called. Does she really? Yeah, like pretty, pretty up there. Anywho, I'm don't like, listen to that. Just keep listening to streaming things. Yeah, the only entertainment podcast in the world. Mm. Pod world. Pod world. Anna Faris doesn't even talk about movies. It's ridiculous. No, <laughs> she just. I don't know what she talks about. She talks about paints and paint swatches. I'm guessing. (laughs) The drying of paint. I think that's what it's called. The paint is drying. Okay. We've checked the gate. There's no dust in it. Let's move on to things we've been streaming. And I did some karate chops that you couldn't see, but they were awesome. Andy, you've been streaming any things? I've been streaming a couple things. Okay. Tell us about them. Um, So have you guys seen the viral marketing campaign that's been going on around the new Netflix original Veronica? No, it's um, really not so viral. Uh, I've been seeing it everywhere. Um, everywhere. Everywhere. Um, basically, they have got this viral marketing movement going on where people are saying, oh, it's the scariest movie ever. Like, so many people are not able to finish it. And you get on Twitter and some people are like, oh, my God, it was so scary. I couldn't finish it. And they put out some figure like only one in 100 people has been able to finish this movie. It's brilliant. You know, because it's like, hey, it's a horror movie. Like, there oh, aren't, there aren't so that, scary. Because there aren't that I many. Because it was shitty. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Is that I think it might be more like one out of a hundred people actually finished it. It's not a bad movie. It's just not even remotely close to the scariest movie I've ever seen. It's yeah. just, it's pretty good. Um, it's Spanish, which is interesting. Um, so it's a horror movie with subtitles the whole way through. Oh, I have heard of this. My uh, niece watched it and she was like, I made a mistake. I had to read the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was so scary. It's, it's got the image. Uh, you you might have seen this going around Facebook of the girl with her head back with her mouth open real wide. And it's like, Ooh, I saw that on Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. She's like 15. No, 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 no. Sorry. I didn't see that. That's a different hub. Uh, There's some really good good, um, child acting in it. Um, Again, we're talking about Netflix. um, There's uh, some really cool cinematography, especially in like the first third of it. Um, But... I can't stop relating what you're saying to a porn movie now. Some really cool cinematography. That lighting is just, just on point. It's right in there. <laughs> wow. Um, sorry. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely worth a watch. I don't think that it's. You near, thought the ritual was better. Yeah, probably. that's what I was going to say. Is I don't think it's as good as Ritual. As far oh, if you're going to go second. for a Netflix original horror film, check out the the Ritual first. But Veronica is also very good. Recommend checking out. Also, rewatch Birdman recently. Uh, I've been thinking about doing that, dude. It's so frigging good. I know people great. say it's not culturally relevant. It was one of those shitty best picture winners now, but I just I remember being floored. No, it, it is. It's a great movie. Andy's, really? Great. No, no. <laughs> God, God no. Andy's Michael a big King. fan of Pontypool, so Pontypool's a good movie. <laughs> um, but with Stephen Hawking being in the news, like. I was like, oh, it's really sad. That's awesome. He was such, it's so great that he lived so long. He contributed so much to science. So you watch Birdman. Michael Keaton really should have won that Oscar. Fuck Eddie Redmayne. (laughs) For sure. That's kind of where my, where my head went, which a theory of everything is a good movie, but Birdman is just excellent. It's so much fun. The, uh, now that I've been making movies a little bit longer since I've the last time I saw it, I see the cuts. You know, I can sort of see behind the curtain. There's a little like bit. what fifteen? Yeah, there's Very quite a few. few. Uh, I well, mean, quite a few for a movie that the absolutely. first time I saw it as like I saw maybe one. Yeah, you know I mean, I was like, oh, okay, now I, I can sort of see what they're doing here and how they're doing it. But still, it's just incredibly well. well you done. watched that episode of It's Always Sunny and broke it down so many times that your eyes trained now. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good episode of Always Sunny. 
Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been streaming about you, Steve. Um, I'm bringing something new to the table uh, this mm. week. I have been streaming with my my wife. Uh, I thought you were going to say, I've been streaming with My Little Eye. And I was like, what the fuck? I Spy with My Little Eye on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. It's called Nailed It. Okay. Uh, Nailed It is a... Yeah, you did. (laughs) It's a cooking competition show. However, unlike most cooking competitions where it's like very serious, like, you've got to make the sauce good. Oh, this is bullshit. Make it great. And they're like very serious competitions. This one is very much like, this is the dumbest fucking thing in the world. We're going to just have fun with it. They purposely take people who don't know how to cook and they give them ridiculous goals to achieve, like bake this fucking cake that's also a volcano and spews <laughs> like candy lava out. And then they have an hour to do it. And and the host of the show, I can't remember her name at all, but she pretty much just makes fun of them to their face the whole time the show's happening. <laughs> like uh, during the challenges, they're, they're looking at the cake and one person in particular, their cake looks like complete garbage. And she's like, oh, Fred. Now we're going to find out which three of you moves on to the finals. It's not going to be you, Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's really, really funny. It has a lot of fun edits to it. Like uh, one of the contestants like was making dreamy eyes at the French baker that was co-hosting. And they kept like doing like a sparkly effect around her whenever she would look at him. And they had this ongoing joke where the PA is never where he needs to be and they like will always do like a behind the curtain type shot where he's like running trying to get the prop that they need at the moment <laughs> it's it's just really fun um very stupid i can't believe it's a netflix original because it just doesn't seem like the type of thing netflix would have but they're so diverse now it doesn't even matter anymore. they really are yeah but it's definitely something that uh my wife and i have been having fun watching because i usually don't like watching reality type stuff she does I'll usually watch competition shows with her, but this is like my favorite one we've ever watched together because it's so like making fun of the competition in and of itself. So if you're bored and have like a half hour, give it a try. Okay. Sounds awesome. awesome. I'm going to check that out. I want to do it. Steve, anything else you got? You've been streaming? I streamed uh, The Last Jedi today. Okay. Uh, That's finally down for streaming. It's not on video yet, right? It's only on streaming. Yes. It It comes out on video in like two weeks. Okay. Um, So I streamed that and... You know, we had a whole podcast on this before, and I'm so glad I finally got... This is the second time I've watched it, and I'm so glad I did. I always enjoyed the movie, but re-watching it, I was kind of like, you know what? I do love this. This is fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like, all my original reservations and hang-ups that I had originally, I just was able to kind of watch the, the movie and kind of step back and just take it for what it was and not what I was projecting the into it going that into you it. had and right exactly and and I, yeah, I was tearing up at several parts and again so i'm just like this movie's fucking rad i don't mm. care what anyone says this is so dope it proves it proved my theory right that it would just be better with time <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think when it's all said and done it'll be considered one of the best absolutely my opinion uh, I've been streaming a few things, half streaming. Uh, again, my day job is just getting worse rather than better. I talk about it every time on the show. It's no big deal. I don't need money. I'm just going just gonna to quit soon. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I did try. So what? I, the only reason I mentioned that again is that it, I, I have such a short time to stream things that I'm much more choosy, perhaps. And maybe that leads into a little bit of being more judgy more quickly. But I think uh, Netflix, especially, a lot of these properties get criticized for oh, it gets so great around episode eight. And it's like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm not putting eight hours into <laughs> So that's always been a thing with a lot of these bingeable shows is they claim it gets so good after six hours. But 
I tried to watch the limited series um, Collateral, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought would be pretty wonderful. It kind of reminds me of like a shitty version of The Night Of, and I didn't even like The Night Of that much on HBO. Um, I liked it more than you did. Yes. A lot of people loved it. I mean, it won a lot of awards and, and Emmys and such. I just... Mm. Eh. Um, John Turturro's feet, man. Ugh. I don't know. It just, it's <laughs> well, not pulling me in <laughs> collateral. Um, I watched the first episode and it's just really goofy and British for uh, like a procedural drama. So now, does far. it just share a name with the, yeah, it has no affiliation when does Tom with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx show up? I know, right? <laughs> in a taxi that cab. screenplay is tight <laughs> and this one is not the teleplay at least. I'll give it more of a chance. I really get excited by limited series because I think they kind of do very powerful things with their yeah. interesting amount of time normally. So I was excited about it. Like as soon as I heard about it, I turned on Netflix and started trying to watch it. No interest in finishing it so far. That's all I can say. Mm. Um, which sucks because it's very female driven and I was excited about that. But um, anyway, that's just my two cents on that so far. Again, I might just be tired. And I also tried to watch Jessica Jones season two. <gasps> And I, I just realized that was a thing yesterday. I didn't know, I know that season had dropped like until yesterday. Zero fanfare. Yeah. But that tells you a lot about how good it is if the critics aren't like raving about it or even saying it's so bad you need to look at it. I remember seeing a trailer for it last week and I didn't, I thought it was a fan made trailer because I'm like, I'm pretty sure 90% of the footage in this trailer is from season one. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, Jessica Jones season one was really good and I think a lot of that was David Tennant and the purple man that was drawing me in and the fact that I didn't know much about Jessica Jones and now I'm kind of weary of the whole Defenders universe in general um, I love Daredevil the Punisher is great but just all the other shit that I went through it just got me really traumatized I have like PTSD <laughs> I'm like oh my god is Danny Rand gonna show up <laughs> I can't take that oh my god if Danny Rand shows up I can't fucking take it I am the immortal Iron Fist if anyone says sweet Christmas I'm just gonna fucking lose it sweet Christmas <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know Jessica Jones it's like there's no give a fuck you know I don't care she's so whiny and alcoholy and <laughs> mean to everyone and it sometimes I'm like you know what you're a beautiful woman and you're smart and you got superpowers what are you so sad about <laughs> Oh, my parents died like forever ago <laughs> in a normal car accident. That happens to lots of people that they're fine. She was experimented on as a child. My little brother and like your little brother. You didn't like your little brother. Probably you were like, <laughs> you're probably like 13. Nobody likes their little brother at that age. You're like what the fuck? And that's your memory of him. Like, move on. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what That's you mean. how I feel. Like, you're being really rude to that homeless guy. You should watch the Bean Apartment 23 and just pretend it's a Jessica Jones okay. sequel. <laughs> I will. Would that help me like her more? It might, because she... Because it, it's... Uh, Did you say the B? The B in Apartment 23. Have you never seen this show? Is is that... Is it not called the bitch in Apartment 23? Oh, I've always heard it just called the B in oh, really? 23. Oh, right on. The uh, bee. I, no, I've never seen it. I pictured a buzzing bee. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Well, it's Kristen Ritter playing like uh, an alcoholic woman, but she's like very. It's the type of alcoholic where it's like people want to fuck me. That type of yeah. alcoholic, <laughs> and she's, she's a detective. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. And, and her best friend is for whatever reason um, the guy from Dawson's Creek, like the actor. James Vanderbeek. Uh, yeah. Like her best friend My is dude. James Vanderbeek playing James Vanderbeek. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's actually a, like, I fucking love that show and I don't know why because it's one of those things like, I should not be into this, but I fucking think it's <laughs> is hilarious. Is it a show? It what? was. Yeah, it's a TV show. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was canceled like 
it was a show from like what five years ago or so? something like that. Yeah. Why was it canceled? Yeah, no, nobody except <laughs> me watched it. Apparently, Steve's like, damn it! <laughs> I only watched it on Netflix when Netflix brought it up. Yeah. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, actually. So it's basically Jessica Jones with James Vanderbeek instead of the guy next door. That and she, it's a comedy. Yeah. yeah, it's like a. a what do you call that? A comedy where it's like clearly on a stage and that type of thing. But sitcom, I'd be interested sitcom, in, in hear what you guys think about Jessica Jones season two. Cause they do this thing where there's like all these other superheroes uh, or what do they call them in the show? Cause they're not allowed to say that like gifted or mutants. They're like gifted and talented. <laughs> <laughs> but all these people that were also experimented on like Jessica was start showing up and it's just so bad. Like, there's like this super fast guy that's like the Flash, but he's like 300 pounds, and it just looks so goofy. And like the special effects budget that they used, it's the Danny Rand syndrome of this series of shows where it's like, oh, it's, when, it's just this guy swishing his arms and pants, you know, like his arms and legs around and being like stuttered around the image, and it's so bad. That's how, uh, if you ever watch behind the scenes of the WB series, uh, The Flash, like it, when, when like the flash is running really fast he's just moving his arms and right. stuff <laughs> it's like the, v, the vfx will come in later it reminds me cool. of uh dumb and dumber when he's in the car and he's like if you do this it feels like you're running really fast <laughs> just swishing his arm anyway uh so that's wait, they, have, they have an overweight two. speedster on that show yeah his name's the wizard i'm in <laughs> all in the wizard <laughs> i'm gonna keep watching you know what's weird about the the defender series of shows though is that they're infinitely watchable no matter how bad they are like mm -hmm. i got all the way through luke cage hating it same with iron fist you know what i mean for some reason yeah. and jessica jones is similar like whenever i go i'm tired of get home from work i go to turn something on until i found this next one i was like hey, jessica jones i'm still i like kristen renner you know just not this character because she's fucking one-sided as shit <laughs> and she's like i'm gonna be a batch i'm gonna drink this i'm gonna punch you i'm fucking angry i'm a batch i'm gonna go to sleep i'm like fucking and i'm a batch i want to write a radio play where you play jessica jones <laughs> <laughs> oh that was beautiful yeah that's what i hear uh but i also found that uh the, 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 the sneaky pete season two is dropped on amazon sneaky pete I was not singing the Rocky theme song again. I was stuttering a lot <laughs> Did today. Did it sneak up on you? Sneaky Pete is so good. I loved it so much. It's got Giovanni Ribisi. It was produced and co-created by Brian Cranston. And he plays the main villain in season one. And I cannot speak highly enough of season one. It was so fucking good. It took me by surprise. It's one of those things where I was like, this is a fucking weird show. I'm going to watch for like two seconds and then get what I really want. And I watched all ten episodes in a couple days. Like, holy shit. Um, the Ozark was like that. Ozarks. Um... But yeah, season two starts off with a bang. It's just as good. It starts off right where season one left off, like at the, the next second, which is awesome when that happens. Cool. And anyway, if you're into Sneaky Pete at all, it's uh, he's a con artist, Steve. If you like con shows. I'm going to have to watch that. I like I like Mia Rabisi. You got to love Giovanni Rabisi. And he's like this super snarky, smart con man who always talks his way out of everything and tricks people. And it's cool. It's like Ocean's Eleven, but instead of George Clooney, it's Giovanni Rabisi. Is it like... Catch Me If You Can, but with Giovanni Ribisi yes. and not Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. Or Tom Hanks. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, I wish Tom Hanks was I like have that. a joke. Okay. Not, not. Who's, who? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Catch Me If You Can reference for those who didn't watch that movie. Uh, Best line of the movie. <laughs> anyway. I guess that's it for things we've been streaming. We got to hurry up into our Westworld coverage. This is going to be a long one. I don't give a fuck. They need more. By the way, 
If you haven't heard our show before, you need to subscribe to it. That helps you hear it better. It actually comes through in a better audio quality once you subscribe. It's weird mm-hmm. the way iTunes does that. I don't know why they set it up that way. Also, if you rate and review the podcast, it actually makes the resolution on your phone screen better. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, that's just science. I know. Stephen you Hawking. Dick gets before you left. <laughs> <laughs> you can, no matter what gender you are, it's a huge dick. <laughs> that's, what does everybody want? <laughs> Dak. <laughs> oh, Dak. Um, What's happening? <laughs> we're so done. Thank you to everyone who pays money monthly to hear us talk, and I'm sorry that it's devolved into this. You can do that by going to idagaf.com and clicking the PayPal links at the top of the page. They look fake and really skep, but they're not going to download a virus on your computer. Nope. I'm just bad at web design. So I'm there. But I'm really good at podcasting. We, we all have our faults. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our stars. <laughs> John Green plug. Okay. Moving in to our Westworld coverage starting now. You are entering spoiler territory. You're bullshit. If you're still here, you either don't care about the spoilers around Westworld season one or you've seen Westworld season one. And welcome. We're going to discuss episode one, the original, which is really apt uh, title for the first episode, I feel like. Just to clarify, we're not watching Waterworld. This is Westworld. <laughs> right. There's some huge Kevin Costner fan somewhere. Some of, like, and some of you listeners are like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Dry land is a myth. I can't stop saying that whenever that's brought up. The only reason I know anything about Waterworld is from the cable guy, Jim Carrey, in oh, and the, and the satellite dish. Well, Dry land is not a myth. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> Dennis Hopper's in that movie, too, by the way. Rest in peace. Yeah. R.I.P. Oh. Did you just R.I.P. Dennis Hopper? I, I R.I.P. Dennis Hopper. Okay. Not Kevin Costner? He's still alive. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> His? Oh, that's really fucked up. I didn't know that. That's super, <laughs> Superman's dad. Um, <laughs> Superman's dad. <laughs> the role we all remember Kevin Costner for <laughs> Superman's dad. And he, Papa Kent. And he played baseball in that one movie. <laughs> that's a Field of Dreams joke. If you build it. <laughs> <laughs> they will come. Speaking of building things and coming, this show, <laughs> this show, they build robots and people come oh. to visit them. Oh, I thought you were going to say people. of the year. Oh. Boom. <laughs> you were going to say. Suck my dick, Kevin Costner. <laughs> people come in them. And I was like, oh, they do. <laughs> By the way, is it someone's job to clean the cum out of the hosts? Yes. <laughs> wow. A thousand percent. Doesn't that, isn't that awful? Yeah. <laughs> I just, when you see like the employees like kissing the the host or, and stuff, it's like, oh, do you know where that mouse been? Oh my God. You, oh yeah, she just kissed one of the prostitute host's yeah. mouths. You of all people should know where that mouse has been. <laughs> right. I actually love that moment though. Um, we can maybe get to it later, but I, first of all, I love that it was the female worker. Mm. For some reason, don't you feel like if like Bernard had done that, you'd have been like, what the fuck? Mm. Not, I would've, would've, not cool, bro. Yeah, that would have definitely turned me off from Bernard's character yeah, for a like, little bit. Wow. Yeah. But her, isn't that kind of like, you know, with her, you're like, oh, she likes to party. <laughs> <laughs> well, with her, it, 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 and this might be a weird thing that says about our culture, but when, she's, when she does it, I'm kind of like, I don't know if that's right, but... Good on you. Yeah. You know, life's Brave. short. Yeah. Brave. <laughs> Life, <laughs> life's short. You just got to do it. Yeah. I get it. 
so yeah, let's call the original because uh, it's in reference to Evan Rachel Wood's character, Dolores, who mm-hmm. is the oldest uh, host in the park, but mm-hmm. not the original host, I don't think. Mm-mm. No, because she's the oldest in circulation. Right, so it's, she's not the original is what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of a shitty title. (laughs) Way to go, Jonathan and Lisa Joy. So this show was created and written by Jonathan and Lisa Joy Nolan, uh, brother and sister-in-law to Christopher Nolan. Not that that's their claim to fame. They're geniuses in their own right. I just wanted to throw that out there for those that may or may not know or know how to recognize surnames. Use that in your trivia nights. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the bar, usually typically like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Tip your waitresses. Unless you're more of a karaoke crowd. I get it. Tip your waitresses. (laughs) Um, So on the rewatch, first of all, I guess let's do some quick because we're running super late here on being fuckboys. Uh, overall thoughts on season one, your remembrances of your first journey through the show, how you came to feel, uh, how you came to know about it, what you felt about it. Uh, Andy. Um, I loved it. It was a really cool, awesome storyline. I love the period setting. I grew up watching Westerns and stuff with my dad. And so it was neat to see the, like the sci-fi stuff that I love and that, you know, is, um, the, the kind of things that I'm attracted to, to be, have that mixed with like this nostalgic childhood thing that I had with my dad. Um, it's, uh, it had kind of like this weird, toxic social media experience, uh, following Westworld. Cause just so many people like dug so deep into the movie so quickly and just spoiled the shit out of it. Like the, the series big reveals and stuff were were out there and pretty much confirmed by the end of episode two, you know what I mean? And the whole time I, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, it's probably that, but wouldn't it be sweet if they pulled the rug out from under that theory and then ended up being this instead? And so I was one of those. And it kind of hurt this experience a little bit. Um, just there was a little too much speculation, kind of like the problem that you have with, well, any series that doesn't drop all of it at once. Mm-hmm. But that's also kind of the fun. It's just in this social media world, you're just inundated with these theories and you can't go to any social media without just constantly running into it. Right. But, you know, that's all kind of your own fault because, you know, you look at the hashtag Westworld and stuff and you can't help myself, you know. Well, <laughs> um, can't help himself. But I love the show. I mean, who doesn't? It was excellent. It's got awesome cast, some amazing acting. Um, yeah, just good stuff. Good stuff. Mm. Steve, what about you, buddy? Um, I actually did not have any spoilers uh, my first time in. I think I started watching it maybe two months after it had come out and completed. Um, but I kept hearing that Westworld is so good. Westworld right. is so good. Um, and I finally got around to watching it with Sam. And uh, if I'm being completely honest... Like originally, I was like, "Oh, this is so good!" Watch the first episode. I was in. I love sci-fi. I love westerns. Put them together. Wiener explosion. Uh, <laughs> you mean ejaculant? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but as as the series progressed, uh, we found ourselves like kind of getting bored with it, and Sam dropped off completely. <gasps> like she was like, I, I, I she can't. went to go watch Downton Abbey. She, she went. She went down to Downton Abbey. But I, I was like, well, I've already watched so many episodes. I need to f- see it through. Uh, then I got to, I think it's episode six, where a big, significant reveal happens in in episode six. And at that point, I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking back in with a <laughs> vengeance. And I was like, I, I think I uh, binged the <laughs> last three episodes back to back to back just because of that that one um the way that one episode ended i was just so back into it and it almost lost me and if i hadn't gotten that far if i dropped out when sam had i wouldn't have 
discovered how much I love the show and how smart the show is and just ingenious it is. So, yeah. See, that surprises me because you were binging it and it almost lost you. Can you imagine the week to week viewership? That's true. That's one of the biggest criticisms against season one in retrospect. Not that I have. I've just heard people say it, that the the, um, cliffhangers and the way that each episode would leave you for a week was just like overly brutal and unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And I don't recall feeling that way uh, because we had such an online conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And the conversation surrounding Westworld was like just rabid. And uh, a a lady that I follow in particular, Joanna Robinson, who works for Vanity Fair, she called everything, Mm -hmm. I think, after two or three episodes. And she had a really famous Westworld podcast called Decoding Westworld with Dave Chen, which will probably be back here soon as well. Um, but you should just keep listening to this one. It's no big deal. They, they won't be back. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I think, yeah, they definitely said they were going to quit doing yeah. that. It's They're weird. dead. They died. <laughs> oh, that's not cool. <laughs> They're alive. They're um, with Kevin Costner now. So it's hard to imagine it not working for a, knowing you can just click the next one, Steve. I just can't. I'm just so fucking disappointed in you. I don't know. I love and the, Sam. If I'm Wait. being honest, I think part of it might be just because Sam's negativity that she was bringing to the I table. Know. And I was just kind of like in that point. I'm wondering if it was just one of those things where I'm like, well, she doesn't like it. I guess I, maybe I don't want to watch it if she doesn't want to watch it with me. Yeah. Codependency, but, uh, Steven. I'll watch this one. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, I came again. Later. <laughs> <laughs> Explosion. It's weird. Um, I fucking loved Westworld. Andy and I watched it uh, Sunday nights, mm-hmm. uh, every Sunday on HBO together. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you say. That's how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. <laughs> HBO. Um, I was so stunned by the density of the writing of the show, mm-hmm. and I think that. The online conversation, while being a bit, I guess, annoying and spoilery, even can you call it a spoiler if somebody just guesses legitimately? The problem is that like people had early screeners and stuff. I don't know. It's it's weird. And when it's, they watch the it, like conversation it's their job, is because it is, yeah, for sure. But it's I more think, perilous, but it's also a lot more fun because there's more people involved. You know, like Twitter didn't exist back when the other. In this shows particular were, instance, though, like with Game of Thrones, I feel like it is just an annoyance, a distraction, a spoiler ridden territory where people take a very simple concept and just spoil it. Game of Thrones. I don't fuck around with. I've been reading those books forever. And if I have the story spoiled for me at the last moment, I will kill people. Last season of Game of Thrones, they actually had uh, screeners out and people knew like how that season was ending. Yeah, the entire season. It's one of those things where like that, that particular season last, I I really kind of changed my way of thinking about uh, uh, shows that I'm actively invested in as they're releasing where I'm like, I don't fuck around on internet. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about it. I'm not talking about it online. Not just Reddit, but like anything. You can't risk it, but... I don't tweet those deets. I don't play. But I think with Westworld, <laughs> it actually helped to better understand what was going on. For me, there was so much, like it was so dense that mm-hmm. the conversation, even though she predicted some of those things, it like really helped me to understand how good and, you know, creative what I was watching was, you know, um, anyway, it helped me appreciate the genius of Jonathan and Lisa Joy to delve into it. Like, holy shit. Oh shit. That did come back. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I think, 
podcasting and stuff like that's really important for shows like this. And this yeah. is really good to this because this is my second rewatch of this. Yeah, I have oh. not seen it since the first. Cool. So you have? I have not. No, I watched it the first time. This is the oh, next right, time I'm right, watching right. it. Um, so just watching this first episode of this season has been really gratifying to kind of be like, oh, that's where that comes from. They're mm-hmm. planting that seed there. It's, yeah. It really kind of changes the way you view it and it allows you to step back and appreciate just how well they crafted the story. And it actually, it was hard for me to imagine not having seen it before mm-hmm. rewatching the pilot because I remember being thoroughly confused, but invested and slowly dawning what was going on. But knowing what I know now, it's like, how the fuck did I understand anything <laughs> about what was going on? Because I didn't know what the show was. I just was watched, a robot. Yeah, <laughs> I just watched anything. Well, I was like, are they robots? Like even like from the pilot, the way it starts out, you're like, mm-hmm. she's alive again. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. OK. And I don't know. We can go get moving on. Um, so Evan Rachel Wood is fucking phenomenal. She in this show, in it. this show has a lot of people who are just crushing <clears throat> it on the acting. way they're able to change their emotions at the mm-hmm. drop of a dot and lose the accent, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, rewrite your programming back to here, roll back to this. Uh, and they just completely change their their eye ticks. And it's fucking incredible to witness uh, mm-hmm. someone who's tried to act and like shit oh, yeah. and naked the whole time. You know, that's got to be awkward. I would think so, but not when you're a professional. I think somebody, (laughs) I was listening to, I think Dave Chen talk about it. He talked about um, how the nudity, even though HBO has a reputation for that, is not um, gratuitous in this show because it serves to illustrate, it dehumanizes them. They're not cold. They have no shame. And it just, it's so eerie to have someone sitting there butt ass naked with no shame Mm -hmm. in our culture that it completely, it just makes them so much more robot-y. And they yeah. have every body type, too, which is really interesting. Now, they're not like the front main center characters, but like the, you see a lot of naked bodies in this sure. first episode. A lot of dicks. And yeah, a lot of, of dicks. dicks. A lot of shapes. Lim- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Later on, there are some monster dicks, if I recall. Yes. Um, and I'm looking some, forward some to that. <laughs> just huge fleshy. And it's interesting because there's actually a, a, a sex scene or two maybe just one in this episode, but you don't really, it doesn't, the camera doesn't focus on it at all. It's almost like a panning shot. Like oh, there's people having sex back there, but meh. and it doesn't focus on that. But instead it focuses on the people who are, you know, dehumanized sitting in the chair. Are you talking about with Teddy and like the super hot black dudes talking about the world? Yeah. 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 I just can remember every time I see that scene, I'm like, wow, he works out <laughs> like often. You work out with Michael B. Jordan? You got, <laughs> yeah. you got those pecs on lock, man. Hashtag no days off every time I see it. I'm like, <laughs> no days off. <laughs> One suspender. And, like, oh. mm-hmm. and I'm not gay, I didn't think. <laughs> <laughs> the show awoke in something, Chris. <laughs> um, so just Evan Rachel Wood. Because I was a big fan of her. You know, I watched 13 and uh, a movie called California with Michael Douglas. It was an indie film back in the day. Uh, a huge fan the of Cross the... Pitt? No, 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 no. Different California one. with a K. Yeah, it was later. Or, or is it Kings of California? Maybe that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Kings. Kings of California. Annie Hoosel. Uh, Across the Universe, you know. Mm-hmm. So big fan of Evan Rachel Wood, but didn't expect this caliber coming in at all. And since the Westworld, I follow her on Twitter and stuff. She's a really awesome, active person. So there's that. You go, girl. So follow Evan Rachel Wood on Twitter. <laughs> um, and then I realized on this watch of the pilot that Jeffrey Wright's narration seems to be speaking to us as humans in the the opening narration 
Yes. Um, I, I don't know. Like this time around, I'm kind of fo- focusing on less trying to predict who's a fucking robot mm. and uh, where this is going to go and how many timelines there are and more like themes of what they're trying to say about humanity. And I'm really and again, it could be where I'm at in life right now, but I'm catching a lot of um, <sighs> metaphors and connections between the lives of the hosts under, you know, in captivity and human lives in society, mm. like um, waking up from the monotonous routine that you think is the only way things are mm-hmm. and seeing other ways of being and how, cause like when Bernard is like, um, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? You know what I mean? Uh, do things, are things too routine or something like that? You know, do you feel like you've been here before? And yeah. she's like, well, everybody has routine. And you know, <laughs> I don't know why she talks like, Somebody from South Park. Rich Wood? Everybody has routine, uh, Bernard. And I just kind of shook me. Like, I feel that way at times. Like, I'm fucking doing this again. I'm driving down this road again. What am I doing? Who am I? Does this matter? Should I even go anywhere? Uh, dude, you know? are you, oh my God, are you in Westworld? Yeah, I think I might be. Are you a host? But you know what I mean? I think there's like an existential theme to this that I never really caught before. What do you guys think no, about that? Ab- absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things I love the most about the show is the depths of the writing that, um, the uh, character, the uh, hosts reflect the uh, moral conundrums that these character, that the guests are going there to escape from. Mm-hmm. This escapism from their loops that they've been been dealing with monotonously their entire lives. Now these are rich people, so they have that going for them at least. But even rich people still have these day to day routines that they fall into this monotonous loop. And I think that the uh, host search kind of uh, the escape for that, but the hosts are refl- also reflections of it and who doesn't look in the mirror and kind of want to break it occasionally. You right. know? And that's kind of the uh, therapy that the hosts offer. Now they also rape the uh, mirror in this uh, metaphor, but uh, it still stands. I, I was going to ask that. Do you feel like um, the man in black definitely rapes Dolores? Yes. hundred percent. I think he does. He says, I want you to struggle. <laughs> yeah, you know I, mean, I, mean? I know it's just so. And then weird he has that line later on where he's like, uh, "I got other plans. I got tonight. other plans, not Dolores." That was Tuesday. I don't rape you on Wednesdays. Um, <laughs> I love the reactions. But that for the what hosts we find have. out about his character later, it just seems a very strange thing. What do you um, mean? I mean, I don't want to say too much. I guess. But oh, you're talking about way later. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. becomes a very complex person mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily evil by any means, and it's just well, that's think, hard to sell. I think this this one of the big themes about this show is the idea of uh, light and dark. Obviously, you have the white hat, dark hat. Yeah. What type of person are you? Um, and this this episode does a really good do- job of establishing uh, sympathy for the hosts, where in a lot of ways the hosts are more human than the humans are sure. in a lot of ways because human the humans are doing human. a lot of the <laughs> the humans are doing a lot of the more evil uh, acts yeah. but you know not without getting too much into the, the weeds on where the show goes but as the show continues the hosts as they become more sentient and more human like they also begin to start doing a lot of evil shit mm. where it's almost like it's acknowledging that being human is the good but also the super evil and you can't have one without the other mm-hmm. in order to be a human or you have to have both to be a human. And I, I just think that's a really, really awesome statement into um, the the state of what I, uh, what makes a person. Spoilers, bro. That's <laughs> <how I'm laughs> yeah. Got him. Got him. I think this episode, it, it introduces a lot of the crazy concepts. And again, I can't imagine how how well I soaked it in if I hadn't had critics explaining things to fall back on. Um 
but it does a great job of introducing a whole slew of characters mm-hmm. with great depth very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you get a good, even the hosts like Teddy, you're like, fuck, this guy just dies a lot. Like he's such a poor bastard. And I love the introduction of Teddy. Cause they almost, the way they introduce that first, he kind seems of, like a guest that, yeah, they have that like first day in the life mm-hmm. of, uh, Dolores and Teddy where he seems like a, like a guest, but then towards the end of it, he's revealed to be a host. And then the day repeats and mm-hmm. they have like this kind of, um, theme of re- recycling the same day over the course of this one episode. And yeah. I love the progression of the editing um, throughout that. Every time you see Dolores waking up, you see her waking up for a little bit less of time and it skips a little bit further in her day. Instead mm-hmm. of walking down the stairs yeah. the second time, now she's at the bottom of the stairs and then the third time she's already out on the porch. And mm-hmm. I really like She skips that. the entire conversation. Yeah, I love the progression of the uh, timing of it. Yeah, it's that was re- very definitely really, done. Really neat that case. shot of her opening her eyes and her hair splayed out across the pillow is mm-hmm. so fucking gorgeous. I'd like mm-hmm. to rewatch it again and see if she's if it's the exact same shot every time or if she's a little different, a little different. each time. Yeah. Cuz that that's one of the cool really really cool recurring things that happens is that you see these people going through the same beats every day and there's little tiny changes to it like this time instead of just brushing against the guy that time his hat got knocked off you know what I mean but otherwise it was pretty much the same and that guy's saying the same thing but oh he's saying it to the guy behind him instead of to him and right. little things that otherwise they're they're reutilizing the same scenario but with the uh, minor um, improvisations yeah, I thought and it was I, brilliant how they showed that. Like um, when Teddy first walks into the saloon and he encounters Tandy Newton's character a second time. Uh, well, Clementine with Tandy Newton leaning on the bar. Mm. So the first time after he speaks, you know, she's like, oh, you always got to pay for pussy, my dude. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I wish Tandy Newton would talk like that. It's less Snoop Doggy. But my you, dude. <laughs> but in the second time when he says, oh, I prefer to earn their affection rather than pay for it. She's talking with other guests mm. and doesn't get prompted by that. And I, it was a tiny thing. You don't even have to notice. But I was like, wow, like that's exactly how it is. Like mm-hmm. when you're playing a video game and the NPC is busy over there, it's just slightly different. And which, by the way, I wanna, you guys are huge gamers. Mm. What does this show bring about for you as far as because it's essentially a video game that you walk through and like a very brutal one, maybe Grand Theft Auto. We, you know, you definitely murder and fuck things in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's way different when you're physically doing it. But yeah. I mean, this is pretty much some really sentient NPCs. I mean, what do you think about the morality or? It's always been a really clever thing to think about. Uh, I mean, even when we did Black Mirror and there was the USS Callister that played with the mm-hmm. idea of uh, if NPCs actually were sentient, like what, think about the awful shit that you do to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I remember when I went playing uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, one of the, the, I remember the first person I ever killed in Grand Theft Auto 4. <laughs> what I, was his I name, actually Steve? I, I, <laughs> see, that's the thing. I don't know anything about him. He could have had a family. He could have had kids. <laughs> he, I, I just, I accidentally killed him. I didn't mean to do it. I was driving a car and I was trying to figure out what the controls were and I accidentally pressed triangle which makes you jump out of the car and the car just keeps going and I'll never forget there's an NPC walking the sidewalk with a shopping bag and the NPC actually looked like looked at the car before it splattered him like splattered him against the wall and I remember in that moment Feeling like a fucking dick. Not like this. <laughs> Not like this. Like I, 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 I literally, it sounds like a dumb thing to say, but like I legitimately was like, oh my god, I didn't mean to kill that guy. Oh well, let me go beat a hooker up. Fucker, yeah. <laughs> you know? not payer. But it's just an interesting thing to think about, like if that was real, like you know, in a Westworld scenario. Yeah. 
Mm. Like, I will never forget that moment playing a video game. I don't know if I could do a Westworld. I don't know if I could go in there and be like, I don't see Stu being able to just, no. <laughs> like, if, if, if Tanny Newton walks up and he's like, hey, buddy, I want to, you know, pay for some pussy, I'd be like, oh, no, thank you, ma'am. Um, <laughs> I would just like a room, please, by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you in the whorehouse, Steve? <laughs> I just want a room. I was, I was told this was a saloon, and rooms were here. <laughs> What's a saloon? Oh my goodness. Some gentleman just got murdered. <laughs> They're really railing them in that room. I don't know if this is a hotel for me. Hello, cowpokes. May I join your game of cards? <laughs> All right. What about you, Andy? Um, dude, when I play video games that have the uh, morality meter of being good or bad, I always play good. Because um, I, I always feel like that that's the true story. You know, mm. I always feel like uh, Outside points. when you have a... Uh, option to be the bad guy i feel like that's the what if scenario as opposed to the what actually happens um and like a second playthrough yeah yeah so um some games you know if it has that morality meter like um knights of the old republic or something like that um i will light I'll, side I'll, points i'll play light side the whole way through and then i'll start the game again and be dark side and they say some mean shit you know yeah. what i mean when you like choose the bad reaction to something somebody says and you're basically like i'll oh, fuck you and stab don't you, you know feel I mean? like, like such oh. a dick yeah mm-hmm. it's like oh, i don't i don't want to do that there, there's a moment in mass effect because mass effect has a similar paragon evil type mm-hmm. thing and there's like a species called hanar which are essentially like giant jellyfish that walk like with their tentacles and like there was one thing like the jellyfish is like hello sir can I help can you help me with this and there's an option to just fucking punch it <laughs> and I was playing the evil playthrough and I punched it and he goes shut up you stupid jellyfish and just punches it <laughs> and I remember thinking like god damn he's asking for help brah <laughs> see I don't think it's um I don't think it's the same thing as like being playing an entire 40 hour narrative as a bad person I mm-hmm. think it's more relatable to me like Grand Theft Auto, for the most part, I would run the missions mm-hmm. and complete the game. And you are a bad person, essentially, or a criminal, but mm-hmm. you have like a criminal with a heart of gold. But thing. then you turn on the cheats, have infinite ammo, get up to those five stars. <laughs> and sometimes I'd have a bad day or just only a half an hour to play, and I would just crash shit, burn buildings mm-hmm. down, and murder people, like mm-hmm. everyone, like bang, 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 and the fight. Now all the cops are chasing me, and like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and that's disturbingly fun. Yeah. And I think, by the way, I think, uh, what, like, Sizemore actually talks to this a little bit, where he's, he, Sizemore, he, the, the narrative, the narrative guy who says fuck mm, a lot. Sure. Um, <laughs> fuck, actually. Fuck. Uh, fuck. He actually has this moment where he's saying, like, we need to scale the, the host back to make them less realistic, sure. because no one wants to really go out and believably murder people I think or rape people and like again, I think he's clearly I, 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 wrong I think he's right though the lady's like she's twitching look at her <laughs> like, you know what I mean the stupid guy's wife true but, but it was a bad person that they just and killed and for me if I'm paying to like fuck stuff I want it to be real as possible yeah so I don't know if he's ever fucked stuff but it's awful when it's like a pillow, I mean, per se. I've gotten the impression that everybody at that place has snuck a little. You know? Exactly. And I know he's not humping away like, man, this is too lifelike. It's <laughs> <laughs> not Australian, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Crikey! <laughs> Every every UK accent we do just ends up being an Australian one. But the point I was trying to make is... That's what basically people are doing. They're just having like a 20 minute like, I'm just going to fucking bang, you know, or in Grand Theft Auto. 
Yeah, but also in Westworld. Oh. Like, the bad guys, the black hats, you know, the man in black is the only... And he's been coming there for 30 years, and we find out a lot about his backstory later and his whole motivation and drive, but I don't think you see a whole lot of other people that are, like, super... I guess you do. Well, there's that one and dude. I have no desire to like pretend rape. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so there's a couple dudes though, like on the train, the second day when Teddy wakes up on the train, the, or was it the first day where there's a, a couple gentlemen in the front talking? The one guy was like, yeah, originally came white hat with my, with my family. It was fine, but I came back by myself, went totally evil, put on the black hat. Just, it was mm, fucking dope. Just rape and pillage shit. It was the ball. <laughs> I, put, I put five stars on Yelp. That's how much I loved it. Well, I guess they're uh, Anthony Hopkins character. Dr. Ford alludes to, uh, we cure all diseases. Now, uh, mm-hmm. even the weakest of us can live. And so I think he was hinting at some sort of like existential malaise that exists in humanity, even worse than 2018, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is hard to imagine. <laughs> and so maybe like the rich people of that era are just kind of like the the meths from um, Altered Carbon, Altered Carbon kind of morality lo- yeah. wise. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that um, Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Ford is my favorite character Absolutely. I I think the show, at least to me, my favorite parts of the show is when, ooh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I peed a little. My sauce. Uh, The best, the best, the show is at its best to me. It's the most captivating when it's like uh, Anthony Hopkins and another actor as he waxes philosophical Mm -hmm. about the meaning of humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just the way he like. I don't know. That character's so fascinating. I love the Ford character. And again, now knowing where that ends, because he is such a mystery throughout the entire first season, yes. your first watch through, mm-hmm. you don't know whose side he's on. He's just like this godlike figure um, that's hard to predict and almost seems villainous most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's all sad too. Yeah. Like he's just, oh, what have I done? <laughs> fucking Anthony Hopkins. To I must have went not crazy when I played Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> uh, but I was also in Thor, so I had a fun side. Um, but then now it's so much deeper. You're looking at him with this weary disgust for humanity. And and I feel that <laughs> as much as it sucks, yeah. like in my own life. And I'm just like, yeah. Mm. Um, but what I was getting at is, okay, let's poke a hole in the plot here. And I'm sure there are many. What's to stop some Jagoff? From just blowing literally everyone's brains out and fucking it up for all of the other guests. Because in Grand Theft Auto, you're the only human. They don't got the infinite ammo. So. <laughs> they don't got those cheat they don't codes. They got the cheat codes. You know what I mean? Can you imagine like me and Steve are there like, oh, let's check out this. But everyone's dead. Oh, well. He, is he fucking that corpse? Oh, my God. Well, let's go to the saloon. Everyone's dead. You can do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get the impression that they are monitoring this thing right, per- they pretty early. So like, like, hey, chief, you didn't pay that much. You, you know? Yeah, you reached your limit for the day. <laughs> I guess there's like, we just have to assume. Only one rape a day. <laughs> there are a lot of rules that we don't know about. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that's okay. I can give them that benefit of the doubt. What, one mildly awkward, not mildly, extremely awkward thought that I had watching this. Um, scene where uh, uh, Dolores does not run into Teddy. And so she does end up going painting. She runs into a little black family that they're like, hey, do you want to feed the horses and stuff? Sure. Um, in a... Uh, Timepiece like this wouldn't just end bombs be 
thrown around left and right anytime a black person walked by. Well, they actually have people of color in like sheriff's uniforms and yeah. I would assume they took um, liberties with liberties with the history, time period. Yeah. Yeah. To make it more marketable because they are trying to get money. Because you're not going to, if you make it a super racist theme park, <laughs> you're, you're, there. you're excluding a lot of potential yeah, customers. Like, sure. oh, I'm right. going to go pay them thousand dollars to have someone shout the n-word right. out of face <laughs> oh. <laughs> welcome back mr chang what would you like to do this time i want to be the sheriff you can work on the railroad and that's it here's some opium <laughs> yeah i mean obviously uh, they're not gonna do that and i had the thought like women here like getting hurt and the potential for um a guest mistaking another guest for a host. There's got to be like a safe word, you know. <laughs> platypus, platypus. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't I know thought... why it's a Canadian trying to rape her. Sorry. Ooh. Oh, geez. That is that is an interesting conundrum. How do people tell who is real and who's not? Especially since he's, you know, the hosts are supposed to be so lifelike. It's hard to tell. I mean, the guests are kind of the ones walking around going. <laughs> I just did. Yeah. You know? I guess. So, I guess you could walk up to a host and be like, "You're not real, are you?" And just gauge how they react. Like if mm-hmm. someone's like, "What the fuck? Are I paid to be here." Yeah. Like then you're like, "Oh, okay, cool. Let's go like shoot a bunch of people." But if they're like, "I'm gonna go about my day," doesn't look like anything to me. Pleasant day. I guess you could say, "Who's your favorite?" We think about Michael Jordan. You know, and it's there's gotta be like a safe question. Oh, the minor. <laughs> oh, crazy Michael Jordan! <laughs> Have you played Uncharted Four? <laughs> I believe he's in the twenty-third mine. The only thing uncharted around these parts are Uncle Pete's <laughs> land up north. <laughs> Pete's some land. Um, so, who's your favorite? I mean, they're all phenomenal performances. Uh, Jimmy Simpson hasn't arrived yet, but uh, he's great. Marsden's great. Ed Harris is doing some really creepy shit. Mm. Ed Harris is a creep in this show. Very sinister, but later on, eh, not so much. Yeah, he's he's definitely an interesting character because he is evil and sinister. But the way his character progresses, it, it definitely, I don't know if he gets redeemed, but there's definitely an, air, an uh, element of like, I kind of understand you sure. and respect you. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but there's you're still that, an asshole. There's that, <laughs> except for the gross. rape in yeah. episode one. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I can forgive any amount of murder, but the rape? Yeah. It's so unnecessary, yeah. too. Like, he's probably fucked her 100,000 times, you know what I mean? Yeah. And willingly to boot. In an evil way, too. Like, just the idea of, like, you don't remember me, do you? Like, the whole idea of having a shared history with someone yeah. who is, who is, can impossibly remember that. Well, the illusion's been so broken. evil. You know? Like, it's like... You know, a real doll, and, and well, exactly my, after it's been that long, all he's doing is treating everyone the way that we do in video games, mm-hmm. and he has no regard. He knows they're not human, and has a certain belief about their level of sentience. And I don't know that you could even call him a bad person. You know what I mean? Like, would you see me playing Grand Theft Auto and be like, oh. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, walking like Chris. I thought you were cool. You wouldn't because we've all agreed their pain threshold to be extremely nil, and yeah. their sentience to be nil, and it's okay. They're not even real. Their memories yep. to be nil, which is what Ford creates when he creates. So he does this update, you know, called Reveries, where they have like supposedly subconscious twinges of 
recall for previous loops mm-hmm. and previous days. And it's supposed to add to their realness. It gives um, them like small, better uh, improvisational abilities, emotional ticks. But it also starts to get them to like be like, fuck this and recite Shakespeare makes them go a little crazy. Some of them. Did you guys get chills when Bernard said uh, we haven't had um, a host with a glitch this bad in 30 years or something like that? Mm. A little bit, yeah. yeah I, that I that was like, dope mm, for me. I, I was know like, what that's that is. fucking awesome. That was one of the things that uh, was torn to shreds on Twitter. 30 years on, they said that uh, the black man in black said, I've been coming here for 30 years. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of the things like, oh man, that would have been neat, but now you've said I it. totally missed it. Even reading that, I didn't quite right. understand it when they explained it the mm-hmm. first, you know, for, until like episode eight. I'm like a dumb motherfucker with the show because I, I didn't have any spoilers <laughs> at all. And the whole time I'm watching like, oh, no, that's neat. And then when the revelations happen, I'm like, what? Oh my God. What? Dude, I remember so little about the show. It's kind of awesome to rewatch it's it. It's a Western. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they're robots? Episode six. That's what he's talking about in episode six. Did you know these things aren't real? <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I love the... Um, just the way they kind of go into there's that scene where they like I guess if any of the the hosts go crazy or become useless in some manner they retire them to the to storage and just the image of like a bunch of naked people in like a dark giant empty room is so haunting in a way absolutely and and they're still um, alive in air quotes like Like they're just standing there Yeah, he he awakens. Ford awakens the bartender to have a nice little chat with him. Did he do that, or did he just get down there first to put him back? Because he's like, there's one malfunctioning in cold storage, and it seems strange if they didn't see Ford was in there when they saw that. Oh, I always had just read that Ford just goes about and does whatever the fuck Ford wants to do, and he just he just just wanted to have a nice trip down nostalgia lane with this uh, bartender that he liked to talk to. I love that scene, though. It's so haunting. To me, it just reminds me of an old man that society no longer wants, Mm -hmm. um, whose experience we no longer value, saying, sit the fuck in here. You've gone, quote unquote, crazy. Like, you're not fitting our norms. We need you to just kind of stay in here. Uh, and I don't know if that's what they mean to symbolize or not, but it looks very much to me like a nursing home mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing I, that just seems awful. I find that scene so haunting because he's essentially having a conversation with a dead man mm-hmm. who doesn't realize that he's a dead man. Right. And that he's a part of this uh, uh, like eternity of exi- of limbo existence because he's just like, oh, dude, put yourself away. And he's like, mm, and he like gets up and zips himself back up in a body bag and just exists in this weird, awful kind of death like state. It's very He's haunting. got like dementia. He's like, shall we drink to the lady in the white shoes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Grandpa. Let's drink to the lady in the white shoes again. Oh, she was fucking hot. Mm. <laughs> Anthony, uh, I think she was too. That was nice. She was, buddy. Uh, did you guys notice that Anthony Hopkins is a fucking beast and just drinks that whiskey without a, a, a tick? He just, I mean, boop. he's knighted. That's probably why he got knighted. <laughs> the queen was like, you can drink that shit down. I'm an alcoholic and I respected that. You know what I mean? Like normally as an actor, when the tea goes down, you try to do a little or something. But he's just like, nope. Jaded. Just smooth. No burn. Or it's just really expensive scotch or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we also find out that the, the guy in charge of narrative, I forget that Sizemore is his name. I don't know the actor's name. Uh, first of all, another little plot hole. Do you really think there's around 1,200 hosts, uh, robots, with over 100 interconnected narratives for all the 1,400 guests to interact with? 
Is it really plausible that there's one fucking douchebag guy in charge of writing all of the prompts and responses and and words? Oh, definitely not all of them. I mean, I, I could see him being like in charge, of the, charge team. of the team. Sure, but, but I don't see yeah. like a writer's room. I don't think you ever see anyone else that works for it. It's just that's the writer. I wrote this speech. Yeah. I'm so excited mm-hmm. about this. And the and whole show, they only looked at that dude and Ford people writing. to write South Park. You know, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I think that it's uh, definitely something we're going to see a lot more of in season two. Just mm. like the uh, the we the, co- we the calls, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I he, he's just a fun character, you know. He's like a stand-in for an actual screenwriter for for yes. your douchey artistic. It is friend, awesome. You know? see his, oh, my lines get ruined. <laughs> right. you know? When Hector gets shot in the neck, it's right before his so big grand monologue yeah. that he was so excited <laughs> to show everybody, and then he doesn't actually get it. But um, as far I don't I don't think I needed to see the writing room. You know, what I mean, like it was believable enough. No, like, for sure. Just this time around, I was thinking like mm-hmm. that's really unlikely that he would have the time. You know, I there I was sitting here watching rewatching this, and I started to have this these flashbacks of just like the big Westworld questions and big ones that just never get answered. You know, things that we were have talked about already, like. How do people not get hurt? How do people, how do you tell the difference between people? It's like, oh, the hosts can't kill each other. Well, that they just shot a big barrel of gas and that exploded. I'm pretty sure that could hurt somebody mm-hmm. unless yeah. that's fake explosion. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I, we don't know where this is. We don't know when this is. And none of that ever gets touched on that I can recall. And it's just something that I, I, I feel like this show poses a ton of questions and answers most of them, mm-hmm. but not all of them. Do you guys feel like uh, this is what it would be like for an entire season of one storyline of a Black Mirror episode? Also, if they took one episode of Black Mirror made a whole season, ah, yeah, I could see that. That just sure. occurred to me today. This is very this is a very Black Mirror, Mirror yeah, mm-hmm. um, probably a little more philosophical and definitely done even than Black Mirror. But mm-hmm. we've never seen Charlie Brooker attempt like a ten episode season with mm-hmm. one idea and you know years to work it out. And Michael Crichton to pull from, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it. Um, uh, any, either of you ever seen the film from the 60s? No, I have nope. not. I have no interest to, but I just didn't know if you had. Hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, they do a favorite moment. You were starting to bring that up before. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I can tell you that this ending of this episode is one of the best endings of any pilot or episode ever, because I can remember... The building implications and you've got the Shakespearean dialogue and I was a huge English buff in college. So like these violet lights, you know, the violent ends, all that shit. And then uh, Abernathy's character divulging into that huge uh, tirade where he's shouting at Hopkins. Uh, wants to meet Ford. A, he wants to meet his maker. Yeah. By mechanical hands so far. And, you know, mm-hmm. it just it was I was like it was building in me and it's like, no, I would never hurt a fly. Of course not. And then so and then you forget that. And then it just this close up to Dolores's face and the fly that's been buzzing on all of their faces throughout this entire episode. This mm-hmm. wonderful foreshadowing. That like, one fly. Because they all it. just ignore it. And then she like just, it was literally on her eyeball. Yeah. At one in point. the very beginning of the episode mm-hmm. of the episode. And then it yeah, was so eerie. And after she sees the photo and goes through all that, she actually kills it. And it's one of those things where she's not even aware 
of the change. And that's such a yeah big moment. And it's such a nuanced thing that happens where it's like, Oh, she killed the fly. Oh my God. Everything's different now. Yeah, It's so brilliant. I think a lesser writer would have had someone like witness that and go, Oh, you know, <laughs> has, the, has the new dad on the chair. Like, did you just kill a fly? <laughs> Whoa. And then looks directly at camera. <laughs> that ain't gonna be good. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Wink. This freeze frames and the narrator from Dukes of Hazard. The boys are gonna have a rough time with this girl. Tune in next week. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I remember as soon as that SWAT, you know, I was like, oh fuck, this show is real deal. Real deal. Real fly, deal. Fly SWAT heard around um, the world. I don't know what my favorite moment would be. They're so ah, uh, I don't know. I think my favorite moment would be that the the final interview between. Um, it would either be be the interview between Ford and Abernathy at I the think end. It's that for me as well. Just because I really love that line, the the Shakespearean line, "Violent delights have violent ends." I love that. That's a reoccurring line that they use throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either between that or or Ford's, you know, sit down with the bartender. Mm. For my favorite parts. Okay. What about you, Andy? Uh, same uh, with uh, sitting with Dolores' dad, and uh, the acting there is just so fucking good. It's like four different levels, all within twenty seconds. I I think I mean he's great, but it just Dolores when uh, I think one of the the 18th Hemsworth brother is interviewing her, <laughs> and he just breaks down the various layers of her consciousness, and she just changes so quickly from just like sweet uh, yeah. Southerner to just normal ice cold Americany, and then. It just fucking blows my mind well, to watch her face contort that quickly. And he's doing the same Absolutely. thing, I think. And uh, But what I liked about him was like he's also playing this broken thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's shaking and he's start, tr- 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 trying to say things. And, right. uh, and then um, after they... He's freezing in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah, and he freezes in the middle of it. And it's just brilliantly done. And he's also doing like... I don't know if he has... I think Ford lets him keep the accent. He doesn't say drop the accent. You know, right. He's just like, you know, that's, you know, that's your accent. Go ahead. But um, he he's just uh, extremely powerful, and then he's like laughing and starting to cry a little bit. He's quoting Shakespeare; it's fucking brilliant. And then after he has his uh, lobotomy, like he's walking into the room of all the standing dead people, and like he's crying a little bit, and mm. it's just fucking powerful. It's so acting. sad. And it's the only episode. Did that you he's notice in. the guy next to him was the milk guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had never noticed that the first time around. They were just retiring them both. Yeah, the first time I watched the episode, I didn't realize that the milk guy and his partner were the same dudes that kill yeah. Dolores' family. He's the, the one beginning. that's going to go fuck Dolores' dead mom. <laughs> yeah, she's still warm. No one's going to judge no you for it. No one's going to judge you for it. I love how his face is like, you know, that's a fair point. <laughs> Cletus, you make sense. <laughs> that's, that's why we good friends. Yeah, I fucks with you. <laughs> that's why. My uh, my runner up, though, is uh, him after he breaks down and he's drink. He takes a big swig of milk and then it cuts back to the wide and the milk is yeah. squirting out of his stomach. Was, and then cool. you see the guests had killed him and yeah. he just refused to go down, which would be terrifying. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be. You're a growing boy. <laughs> just pouring milk. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a goofy ass scene, but it plays scary. And it, it's You're horrifying. More. Need your vitamin D. Can you imagine sitting there watching? What yeah. the fuck? I paid ten thousand dollars for it. What the fuck? I don't even fucking like milk. D- did you uh, did you like the little Easter eggs they threw in? Which oh, the black hole sun. Yeah, the, song? The, the, and the piano's playing Black Hole Sun and then uh, Paint Black, Black, which is like black a, songs. Like a cinematic 
orchestral version of Playing It Black. I the, love uh, bank the thing. score to this show. I mm-hmm. actually listen mm-hmm. to the Westworld season one soundtrack all the time when I'm writing. It's, uh, oh, it's a it good soundtrack. It puts me to. in a really creative mood. Like I definitely recommend some noise canceling headphones and just dum dum dum. And the uh, I don't know what you would call it, guys. Help me out with my um, filmmaking knowledge. Is pretty low these days. Whoever's fucking job it is to uh, do the images for the opening credits. Uh, um, title designer. Just title designer. I mean, I think it's exquisite for Westworld. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. often impressed with show, any show that I fall in love with. I think I retroactively fall in love with like the art and the font mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I think this is objectively really detailed, good work. I just, the, the whole look of the show is phenomenal. Cause you go from the dirty gritty Western that might have a pretty Vista from time to time, but it's, sure. you know, it's a very sepia, mm-hmm. uh, warm, but gritty world. And then it goes to the, um, the control room in that, which has a lot of straight lines. It's very clean. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of like glass windows with very minimal features so I, that they could focus on the, the, the host or whatever they're building. Um, I, I just love the different worlds. Yeah, the very the, cold. The contrast actually yeah. helps to bring them both out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like it's like juxtaposition with a purpose mm-hmm. rather than kind of anachronistic. And then when you put like a naked actor in that uh, mm-hmm. in the control room world, it's very clinical and unsettling, but also weird when you see like a cowboy sitting in there and as yeah. well. It's like playing with his gun and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to comment earlier. This is really random. I know we're just kind of grasping for straws here. Um, it's getting late, but I, I, everyone does such a good job of when Anthony Hopkins is on screen. There is such an aura of awe and fear, like even amongst the humans, he's just godlike to these mm-hmm. people. And we find out that, you know, the guy, the Sizemore wants him gone and that there's this whole plot line from the corporate lady where they probably have some kind of military implications with for these things. And she ultimately wants Ford to have less and less control. Mm-hmm. And apparently the shareholders do as well. But still a great deal of fear and respect for this you know, a man of untold genius. Yeah. Um, and who could snap his fingers on all of these things would fucking rip us apart for all we know at any point, you know, and it's, <laughs> we don't even know who is, uh, you know, I don't know if they've thought of that by this point or not yet, but technically anyone could be a secret host. And, right. Um, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. I think they did a really good job of, oh fuck, it's Ford. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was brilliant casting because Anthony Hopkins does have, uh, fuck like yeah. in the acting world, he has just such a level of credibility I mean, man's motherfuckers knighted. Yeah, you yeah. know. So when Anthony Hopkins shows up, the audience has that. Um, yeah, they could have used Ian McKellen. <laughs> could have also they, knighted. They could have used Dame Judi Dench, and that's about it. Tell me about what your host would like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me, Bernard. <laughs> oh, Bernard! <laughs> I want to know if show. you want to go on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> Bernard, oh. the fool of a toque, and he like hit <laughs> <laughs> Sizemore across the head with a fucking staff. <laughs> God damn it! All right, well that brings us to the close of our discussion of episode one, the original. Uh, please tune in very soon. We'll follow up with episode two, and then probably three, and then I'd imagine six, seven. Oh, I mean, I went the same way. 
Uh, again, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and I'll see her. It's not going to make you have a dick or your screen better, but it will help us it a lot. It will make it bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically. Um, <laughs> we would just really appreciate it. It helps bump us up in the feeds. Uh, you can email us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Lots of people do that, and we love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been very busy recently, but we're going to continue to put a great deal of effort into this show and respond to those emails. We love you so much. That's all we have. Thank you. My name is Chris. My name is Andy. And I am Steve. And this has been Streaming Things Binge Nerd. Binge Nerd.